We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, Psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Hi everybody. Welcome to Heart to Heart Radio with Dan and Ann. We're coming to you on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Well, we have a special guest for you tonight, and his name is Paul Conniff of the great state. You know, he's from Texas, but he lives in Michigan now. But he does say he has a big truth to share with us. The title of the show tonight is The Hidden Half of the Gospel Explained. Angela, would you have the honors of introducing our guest tonight? Absolutely, Dan. All right, Paul Conniff is the author of The Hidden Half of the Gospel, How His Suffering Can Heal Yours, with his co-writer, Lindsay Genke, and the president of Straight to the Heart's nonprofit discipleship ministry. He has been a pastor and a marriage family therapist with 30 years of pastoral and clinical counseling experience with an MA in marriage and family therapy and an MA in religion. His greatest passion is to see the church members and couples receiving healing and freedom in Christ so together they can multiply disciples and expand God's kingdom of grace and truth. He enjoys reading, surfing, and scuba diving, and he lives with his wife, Christina, his daughter, Carolina, and all their animals in Michigan. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, Paul. Good to be here. Good, good. Well, Paul, you know, what I appreciate about you is me and Angela, we've actually heard you speak, and uh, we actually fell in love with one of your talks. And it seemed a little out of the box, you know, Christianity-wise, and we loved it. And it seemed like it, 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 it invigorated us and brought us back to the truth that there's something more to life than Christianity as we knew it. And I love it that you've got scholarly wisdom. You've got 30 years of experiential teaching, training, and you've also got, you know, degrees in, in on the scholarly side. So you've got experiential wisdom, and I'm so glad you're with us tonight. And uh, I'm really interested to, in knowing what this hidden half of the Gospels means. Um, and, I'm, and I'll be honest with you, I am glad there's a hidden half 
because you know, as far as Christianity is concerned, it seems like it's a it's it's something that's going out of business today. It's it seems like it's shrinking, you know, due to failed altar calls, you know, uh, false promises in the church. And so this hidden part of the Gospels, I just love that you're going to bring some light to us on what this is and how we can look at the Bible even a little differently. So could you share just a little bit with us on this hidden half of the Gospels, Paul? Yeah, the reason I call it the hidden half is uh, Jesus said over and over that he came to suffer and die and rise from the dead. And then after his resurrection, he told the disciples, don't you remember the angel said to them on resurrection morning, don't you remember what he told you? And then he told them shortly after that, don't you know the Messiah have to suffer and enter into glory? And then he appeared in the upper room and said, I had to fulfill everything in the law of Moses, the Psalms and the prophets about my suffering in Luke 24. So he's saying the whole Old Testament pointed to his suffering, death and resurrection. And we often talk about Jesus died for our sins, which is absolutely important and critical that we need forgiveness, and then we get eternal life. But what I found is, um, in my own life, and then in many Mm -hmm. others as a pastor, that people got forgiveness, they got salvation, but they didn't get much freedom. And they live what I call on a cycle of sin and forgiveness, where they Mm -hmm. sin, they confess their sin, their anger, their food, their pornography. Uh, They did a five-year study of churches in North America. 68% of men struggle with pornography, 30% of women. That means seven out of 10 women, men and three to ten women are going into church every weekend listening to sermons with that struggle and failing wow. so and that's just one area we're not talking about abuse or anything else so as i started looking at his suffering um and i was doing counseling as a pastor i started writing on my whiteboard their story on one side of a cross and on the other i started writing about what he went through being alone abandoned betrayed by a kiss for the price of a slave, stripped naked, physically, verbally, mentally abused by those in power over him, tempted to numb his pain on the cross, uh, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I started seeing how his negative experiences, his suffering, uh, according to scripture, was to identify with us. It says he suffered being tempted in Hebrews 2, so he could help us. He was tempted like us in all ways, yet without sin. So the Bible protects his sinlessness so that he could identify with us and we can help him. So what, as I found, as I started connecting people's stories of being alone, abandoned, betrayed, uh, abused, tempted to numb their pain or numbing their pain, wondering where God was, asking God why, the experiences were in Jesus' story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so because... I call this the hidden half of the gospel because we don't tend to emphasize it. I mean, to be honest, we pull it out at Easter time, and and then at Christmas time for Handel's Messiah, and then we put it back in the box. But we never really apply to our lives. Uh, right. So that's my passion. Exactly. Hey, Dan, maybe it's time to read that message pa- uh, passage from yeah, the Message yeah. Bible. Could you read that? It, it's yeah, your first absolutely. passage in your book, Paul. It's a great... The, uh, yeah, go ahead and read it, Angela. It, it's the introduction, uh, first paragraph in the introduction, but it says in uh, Apostle Paul's writings, Romans 7, verse 17 through 24, I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I can decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I can decide not to do bad, but then I don't do it anyway. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can help me? And that is the Message Bible's version of what Paul said there in Romans. So, so Paul, my question is, wow, I, I'm so impressed that you put that in the beginning of your book, because it sounds like a message of hopelessness. When I wish to do right, I do wrong. You know, miserable man that I am, I know it from others. But what, what do you have to say with that in regard to Jesus? Well, Jesus was tempted like us in all points yet without sin. So <clears throat> I ask people, when he's struggling to surrender his will, to his father in Gethsemane, when his human flesh doesn't want to do this, and he's sweating blood, was that a real temptation or a fake temptation? Real. 
Yeah. Was it real blood or fake blood? Real. Real. When the Romans tore at his back, and, and their job as torturers was to tear the flesh from the back until the bone, if flesh was hanging from the bones, was that a real whip or a fake whip? Yeah, it was real, and I'm sure he probably wanted to scream out, too, maybe. Who knows? And when he's nailed to the cross, was that were they real nails or were they fake nails? They were real. Real. Then his nerves really were on fire. He's carrying the weight of all the sin, all the suffering in the world. He's sensing separation from his father. So it was real suffering in real time where he had to develop real faith in his father. And, and again, one other part of it is, and one of the things Jesus said was Satan is the father of lies, not the father of bad behaviors. Now, we're not for bad behaviors, sinful behaviors. But if Jesus said Satan is the father of lies, and Scripture says, as we think in our hearts, so are we, and there's hundreds of scriptures in the power of thoughts in Scripture, then when people go through negative experiences, being alone, abandoned, betrayed, abused growing up, they don't just go through those negative experiences, they end up with negative messages. I'm rejected. I'm alone. I'm not safe. I have to protect myself. I'm not good enough. I'm damaged goods. I'm abused. And they get to, I work with a lot of abuse victims, sex abuse victims, and they learn to believe they're bad and dirty. Uh, they're not the ones who are bad and dirty, but they got that message from the father of lies. And Satan doesn't show up with red pajamas, pitchfork in his hands, and say you're bad and dirty and no good and rejected and God doesn't love you and he can't forgive you. He whispers it in first-person language. So they think it's their thought. So when Jesus is going through all this suffering, is the devil leaving him alone, or is the devil tempting him to believe that he's rejected, he's alone, he has to take control in his own strength? that his father's rejected him. Is the devil leaving him alone or is the devil hitting him with those negative thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's hitting him, hitting him, mm -hmm. yeah. And if we were to picture a fruit tree, I often use pictures of fruit trees when I teach, our bad behavior is our bad fruit, and we should confess that, absolutely. We don't minimize that. But if you pick the bad apple from the tree and the roots are still there, the negative thoughts are there, even if you don't know them, the devil triggers them and that tree reproduces the bad fruit. Then I go back to God and I say, please forgive me for my bad fruit again. I'm forgiven. But I'm not getting much freedom or cleansing. And pretty soon I'm negotiating, God, if I never eat that my favorite angle ice, ice cream again, if I never look at porn again, please forgive me. And they're never dealing with the negative thoughts to create the negative feelings that lead them to want to go to the negative behaviors. So they live on that cycle of sin and forgiveness, wondering where is the power of the gospel? And, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, the church is not doing well right now. I wonder how many people are leaving church or sitting there with very little hope because they're wondering where is the power of the gospel. Yeah, so they've sure. never been taught to address their negative thoughts behind the negative feelings and behaviors, and they've never understood how Jesus' story, his suffering, connects with their story. Yeah. It's a very interesting way of looking at that. Mm -hmm. It should be front and center because it was front and center in Jesus' mission, but somehow it really hasn't been front and center. Again, do we talk? Do we have passion uh, of Christ plays all over the United States, all over Canada on Easter weekend? Yes, and then we put it back in the box. Yeah. Uh, do we have Handel's Messiah at Christmas time? Yes, and then we put it back in the box. Jesus was talking about it all the time, all through his ministry, and he rebukes them for telling them not to go to the cross at the Last Supper. Think about it. He's been with him for over three years. He says, I "All right, hold that, hold that thought, Paul. Hold that thought. Um, we're going to have to take a commercial break, but we'll be back with Paul Conniff coming up right after the commercial break. And you can learn more about our guest and his book by going to his website, www.hiddenhalf.org or www.straighttotheheart.com to learn more about his ministry. You're listening to the Heart to Heart radio show on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You can learn more about our show by visiting Heart to Heart radio show. That's a T-W-O in there. Or check out our personal website, prodigaljourneys.com. Again, we'll be right back after the commercial break.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. All right. We're back. Tonight our guest is Paul Conniff. Our topic tonight is the hidden half of the gospel explains. To get more information about Paul's book, The Hidden Half of the Gospel, how his suffering can heal yours, go to his website, www.hiddenhalf.org, or to learn more about his discipleship ministry, go to www.straighttotheheart.com. That's straight, and then it's the number two, theheart.com. And Paul, if you'd just carry on where you were at, I, I like where you were going that this Christ that we're talking about, Jesus, you know, how a lot of times he only shows up, you know, at Christmas, at Easter. And, uh, you know, the Christians don't want to get dirty with this mess of sexual addiction. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, everybody's being thrown into celebrate recoveries and people are hiding out. But, but this message that you have is different. It's saying to me that Christ is suffering right alongside with us. Is that what it's saying? Yes, and he's already suffered those same, same temptations. I mean, take, take somebody who's been, they say, hey, my husband's having an affair, doesn't want to stop. So they're experiencing betrayal. Jesus was betrayed by a kiss, so he can ident- feel all that pain that they felt, trust in his father. And then what we do is we take the story, not just the information, but we want to move to application. So we're going to take Jesus' story where he was betrayed by a kiss, she's being betrayed, and then turn that into a, a prayer where we're actually praying Jesus' story into the person's story. And that's where we see the Holy Spirit softening hearts. If somebody's been sexually abused, Jesus was stripped naked. Matthew says they stripped his clothes off, stripped naked physically and verbally and mentally abused by the men in power over him. This is a powerful Jesus where someone can come in and say, hey, I was abused. I can connect their story with Jesus' story and then turn it into a prayer, and we start praying Jesus' story. And they're not all cured in one, in one prayer time. It's a process, I believe, in discipleship. And what they do is they leave with an anchor of hope and this aha experience that Jesus really understands them. And I can't do that for them, but the Holy Spirit can. Yes, and I think prayer is really important, and I know you mentioned that quite a little bit in your book as as being one of the main, you know, things you've got to do. I'm really a big believer in that, you know. It's just got to be anchored in prayer because, you know, I think that God's the one who reveals all this stuff to us and really brings it home to us. And I think without that personal one-on-one and with a big intention of really getting close and you know, meaning what you're saying and feeling him, his presence. I don't think we get anywhere. I really don't. 
No, and you, you think about the power belief systems. Jesus' disciples loved him. They were, they were following everywhere. They were sold out. But they had a belief system in a militant Messiah, someone who would overthrow Rome. So he rebukes, they rebuked Jesus for talking about going to the cross. After three years of listening to this, he's sitting there with him at the Last Supper, and he says, I eagerly desire to eat this meal with you before I suffer. And they say, pass the butter for the bread. Who gets to be first place in the kingdom? <laughs> right. See, they're, you know, we're going, how could they miss it? But they're listening through their belief systems. Mm. So every time he talks about the cross, his suffering, death, and resurrection, it just goes right over their head. In fact, at one point he says, let this sink down into your ears. Now, when a parent does that to a child, it's because they're not listening. Mm-hmm. And, and so he keeps trying to tell them, to warn them, to prepare them, but they can't. I mean... I was teaching in a Christian college, and I told him, I said, we're going to study Jesus' suffering. We're going to look up all the scriptures uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, epistles everywhere. And I'm going to give you a prep quiz, and if you don't include suffering, then you fail the go- in your definition of the Gospel, then you fail. Now, they did all the studies. They actually had to call people or talk to people on campus and ask them what kind of suffering Jesus went through when he's being alone, banned, and betrayed, abused. So they're doing experiential exercises. They're looking it up. They're writing it out. 80% of the class did not include suffering in the plan of salvation. You know why? Because when they saw the question on the page, after spending two months studying it, applying it, and talking to others about it, they defaulted to their belief system. The gospel is Jesus died, he rose from the dead, we get forgiveness and eternal life. That's part of it. It's all true, but it's not the whole truth. But it was just interesting for me to see that because they weren't insincere students. Right. Jesus' disciples were the same. So we under stress, we default to our core beliefs. I can look good at church on Saturday or Sunday. I can go to church and I can look good. I can go to Wednesday night prayer meeting and I can look good, can I? But under stress, I'm going to default to those core beliefs in my heart. And so Jesus goes through these negative experiences being tempted with the same thoughts, never giving in. And that's why he can give us healing and freedom and victory. So, you know, do you find that you have to deal with depression in the church quite a little bit? And what do you think is causing that? Do you think that this is the problem right here that we're discussing where we're not really getting anywhere with our, our, our belief systems because we're not getting down to the transformation part of it? Yeah, depression is the number one uh, workplace problem worldwide. And it's also in the church, but oftentimes in church we can't talk about it because every day is better with Jesus than the day before, right? That's what we say. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. we have all these Christian cl- cliches. Uh, no, every day with Jesus is not necessarily better. Spiritually, I can learn to depend on him, but what if you lose a two-year-old to cancer? What if your husband comes in and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore after 25 years. I'm running off with my secretary. That day isn't a good day. And so how does Jesus, how can we give them permission to be honest? I was at a Bible study once, and they were talking about Jesus' disciples on the boat and saying, Jesus, how come you're sleeping? Don't you care about us? And so then they went on to discussion about how we should have faith because of what God does. Theoretically, I agree, yes, but I stopped it, and I said, what if somebody here is wondering if God really cares for them? And they know God's done stuff in the past, but their current trial, they're wondering, where are you, God? Our Christian cliches and bypassing uh, the fact that they're struggling in their heart and not giving them permission to just be who they are or to be like the father who comes to Jesus and says, my son's thrown himself in the fire. I can't stop him. I believe, help my unbelief. To me, that's a perfect prayer. You're not trying to be more than who you are. Right. So we can bring performance into our prayers, into church and things. And so to me, that's depressing because that disconnects us from God and from the community we need. See, I need a community where I can go in and say, here's where I had a good experiences this week. And you know, here's where I had a bad day and here's where I'm doubting. And I don't want you to tell me, just have more faith. That's going to invalidate me. And what it's going to tell me is this is not a safe place. Right. Right. And and you're also getting disconnected from your own self, you know, real problem. Because all of a sudden I have to hide. I can't say, well, I can't, I can't admit that I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm, I'm wondering about finances, I'm wondering about my relationship, I'm worried about my kids doing drugs, but I can't tell anybody because I'm supposed to be a good upstanding leader in the church. So heaven yep. forbid that I would, I would have a problem with a kid doing drugs. So yeah. if we can't come to church and we can't have real community, and by that I don't mean attendance, I mean a place where we can share our praises, share our struggles – and not be fixed, 
not be told to have more faith if you just surrendered more. If you were really sincere about surrendering your will, it would all be better. Those kind of responses are normal, but they're not spiritual. And then we have to, like you said, I have to hide from myself. Okay, that's a part of me I can't bring out and show you. I certainly can't show it to anybody else. And then I get the message God doesn't want it either. And then we wonder why people are leaving church. Right, right. I mean, just the other day I got someone to be my, you know, coach to be able to say, look, look, here's what I want to be doing and here's what I'm not getting done. And I need you to hold me accountable. So if I don't do this, what I say I want to do, will you please ask me, why didn't you get that done? And let's figure out what the roadblocks are, you know. But, you know, I don't feel like I can just go to my brothers in the Lord and, and say this kind of thing whenever I feel like it. I had to go to a regular, regular place to get this done. You know, that's it shouldn't be. I don't yeah, know. I think we should be teaching listening skills in the church. And we have to get away from performance-based approaches because if I have to perform, it, it kills relationships. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, they talk about the phrase original sin. The original sin was Eve tried to perform. She tried to be more than who she was. Mm. That's, that's what it was. She wanted to be wiser than, you know, what she was in ways that it wasn't good for her to be wise. And when we go to church, a lot of church, not all the time, but it's often based on performance. I put on my, my good-looking uh, clothes. And I go to church, I, you know, how many couples argue on the way to church, get out of the car, and they're all smiles to everybody? Oh, I know. Jeez. And they're well, not you know, trying to be hypocrites, but they've gotten a message that I've got to show my best face to church. Yeah, yeah. Well, Can't they, be real. They, don't, they don't ever want to hear my story. When I, when I talk to them about sex addiction or something, they always say, when was your big bang moment? And I said, you know, what was that? Well, when did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I said, well, you know. I understand what you're saying that, you know, there's this big bang moment, but it wasn't that way for me. It was a, it was a process and it was an ugly process. And the other thing was I really had to go it alone because there were no real elders. I think the problem in the church today is there are no real elders, maybe a few, I shouldn't say none, you know, that, that'd be crazy, but real elders. I mean, I used to, I'd go to the elders and it says, you know, if you, if you masturbated or something like that, you know, go to the older man and tell them, well, I did that. I followed that counsel. And all they said was you're dirty, you know, and they started taking my privileges. And one thing that was very interesting, Paul, not one, and I thought this was like 5 million people. Not one of those elders said I've struggled with the same thing. I was a freak. And then I found out in Celebrate Recovery, it was very similar. It was, oh, you guys go to that group. And in that group, I didn't see a lot of uh, things happening either. But any, anyway, guys, we got to take a commercial break. And uh, so we're going to have to take a commercial break. But we'll be back with Paul Conniff. And our topic tonight is on... The Hidden Half of the Gospel Explained. You can get more information about Paul's book, The Hidden Half of the Gospel, how his suffering can heal yours by going to www.hiddenhalf.org or his discipleship ministry by going to www.straighttotheheart.com. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Radio with Dan and Ann on the Exxon Broadcasting Network. That's www.xzbn.net. Our website is hearttoheartradioshow.com. And we'll be right back after the commercial break. They're here and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. All right, we're back. We've been talking with our guest, Paul Conniff. And Paul, we're so glad you joined us tonight. We've been discussing uh, his book, The Hidden Half of the Gospel. And uh, you can reach him at www.hiddenhalf.org or www.straighttotheheart.com. And that's straight with the number two, theheart.com. And uh, Paul, I, I just wanted to throw this out at you. I know before the break, I was talking rather passionately about real elders, not manufactured stuff coming out of academianism that have this precept of perfection and, and zero transparency. And I've been abused by that. I was abused by that in my life. And, and, you know, and I, and I wonder, you know, even in the 12 steps, you know, how many times can you go to an elder to tell them you're struggling with this? And I want to stay on the sexual addiction because it is a big problem today. And it's, and it's also, it's in our use. It's, it's, we have a desire in, in our flesh for the opposite sex. We have a desire. Women are beautiful, you, you know, and there's an attraction but everything, it seems like it's, it's just like everything's against us. So how many times can a man go to an elder? I know 12-step, they say, well, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we give it over to Jesus, and it's all over. And it's not all over many times. So how would you address that? How, how is your message different than that? Well, what I would do is first is if someone comes to me, and, and again, almost seven out of 10 men, three out of 10 women, one of the fastest growing groups of porn users is girls. So they're starting wow. to catch up. That's not progress. It's regress. But let's, you know, think about if the church would create a safe place for men to address it and, and be honest about it, what a major impact that would make in the men and in the families and in the community. So the potential, if seven out of 10 men in the church are struggling with it, think about what the community is. So, but what I would do is I would say, you know, two things I tell men is first, we do have testosterone running through our bodies. I'm mm -hmm. not justifying sin or lust or affairs, right. pornography, masturbation. We're not just being real, You're but, being we're, real. We're, but we're normal. We're normalizing it. And, and if we can't talk about this in the church, then where are men going to go? They're not going to go anywhere. And, and number two, um, one of the guys I was working with said, you know, I was praying about where can Jesus identify? Where was he tempted? We're not saying he gave in to lust or had an affair and like yeah. that, but we're saying, where is he tempted? And he said, you know, what came to me was one guy said, well, um, you know, Jesus went through uh, the year he was a teenager, a young adult and died at 33. So he went through the highest levels 
of testosterone, the strongest sex drive in a man's life, number one. Number two, another guy said, um, you know, well, I was praying about it, and what I thought was, here he, he's telling people he's going to die. Nobody's believing him. Uh, Mary hears him. She doesn't understand the resurrection, but Mary Magdalene gets that he's going to die, comes and anoints him, and Simon says, you know, hey, if he's really a prophet, he'd know what kind of a woman this was. So Jesus tells a story in Luke 7. But he turns to Simon and he says, you know, you haven't, you, you haven't treated me like a guest. And Jesus has healed him, you know, and he's there. But he says, this woman has not ceased to kiss me, kiss my feet. So here Jesus is about to die. Nobody understands what he's really doing in his suffering, death, and resurrection. They all have a different view of a militant messiah. We all want compassion. We all want to be cared for. And he said, you know, that's where Jesus brought him to. And again, Scripture says he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. So I want them to know that Jesus was a man like us. He was mm -hmm. tempted like us, and he wanted to be cared for and died. It's, it's human. You know, God wants us to know who he is, for that matter. And so then I'm going to say, you know, what I want to know is, let's look at a list. I have a simple worksheet, and I have a cross column on it. The left column has negative thoughts, and the right mm -hmm. column has Jesus' negative experiences. So... I, I tell them the fruit and root principle that, yes, your behavior, we want to confess that, but you're going to keep living on that cycle. So let's look at the negative thoughts behind it. Let's look at the roots. And then, so we're dealing with the thoughts more than the behaviors. We're not minimizing the behaviors, and we're emphasizing the roots, those negative thoughts and messages. And then after they say, I'm no good, I'm reject. I mean, one guy said, you know, he grew up in a home where his dad was angry. He believed he wasn't good enough, uh, and he was rejected and powerless. So he stumbles across his brother's, it's in my book, he stumbles across his brother's pornography addiction, and all of a sudden he's in la-la land. He's not feeling powerless. He's feeling wanted and accepted. That's mm. powerful. And we need to acknowledge that those desires to be wanted, to be accepted, are from God, and then they get twisted by pornography. And then we take those, I'm not wanted, I'm not accepted, I'm powerless, I'm rejected, and then we go where, and then we go through Jesus' suffering, especially from Gethsemane to Calvary, like we mentioned a few times already in this talk, where he's alone, abandoned, betrayed, abused every way possible, hanging on the cross, tempted to numb his pain and check out, which is the source of all addictions. And then, my God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? Where are you in the midst of my suffering? And so then we, we say, okay, your thoughts aren't bad. I'm not good enough. I'm rejected. Okay, where was Jesus tempted to believe that he was bad? Where was he tempted to believe he was rejected and powerless? He went through the experience, but he never let it become his identity. He was alone. Prophecy says he trod the wine press alone. Okay? So he went through the experience. The difference is I go through a negative experience. I develop negative thoughts. Jesus went through negative experiences. He never took those thoughts. So now I have a Jesus who's been tempted in the area of sexual impurity, tempted in the area of being wanted and loved in the wrong ways, um, without sin, trusted in his Father, so now I can receive his forgiveness, his healing, and his freedom. And another thing, and a lot of prayer ministries do this, they break the bonding, because Jesus, uh, Jesus, Genesis, Paul, and science all talk about when there's sexual activity, there's bonding. Okay? Mm. But then, what I haven't seen other prayer ministries do, and I agree about breaking the bond, um, but I also say, okay, Paul said, put off and put on, not just put off. Jesus said, if you clean the house out, leave it empty. Seven more demons come back with the original one. So what I also do is at the end of the prayer, we say, let's say they're bad. I'm not good enough. I'm rejected, whatever. Here's where Jesus was. We turn it into a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you were tempted when you were in Gethsemane through your trials in Calvary to believe that you weren't good enough, that you were bad, that you were powerless and not accepted. So you could take into your suffering death all the ways I've learned to believe I'm bad, I'm rejected, I'm not wanted, I'm powerless. And I've turned to pornography to numb my pain. So we're bringing in the behavior and the belief. And then you rose from the dead so that you could break the negative bonding to pornography, masturbation, affair, whatever, the imagination, and I am receiving your forgiveness for what I did and did not know, and your healing and freedom, and thank you that you're bonding my body and mind, heart and soul and imagination to you. So we don't just thank him that he's breaking the bonds. We actually thank him that he's now bonding to the purity and peace of Jesus Christ. And in a lot of AA 12-step, they want you to count the days of sobriety. 
But if you're in an AA group or sex SA group and you're counting the days of not looking at pornography, what are you thinking about every time you count it? Oh gosh. Good point. Yeah. They're not, pornography. And they're, they're not doing this. They're not doing this to be bad. I'm just saying we go where we focus, right? Right. Right. So I'm I'm not into counting days, but I want them to count the days of receiving Jesus' peace and purity. It's a different focus. Mm-hmm. And I hope every prayer ministry out there not only breaks bonding to sexual abuse, sexual addiction, but bonds to the purity of Jesus. Because when they start receiving his purity daily, that starts changing their identity. Because our negative thoughts create an identity, good or bad. Every attack against Jesus was an attack against identity. If you're the son of God, turn stone into bread. If you're the son of God, sometimes, you know, during his trials, if you're the son of God, tell us. If you're the son of God, tell us. Who spit on you? Who hit you? On the cr- and they got him blindfolded. On the cross, if you're the son of God, come down and prove it. So those negative thoughts create a negative identity. So we want to address that and then have them receive their truest, deepest masculine identity as God's son. Do we bring in the masturbation, the pornography, the affair, the lust? Yes. But the main emphasis is the negative thoughts to create a false identity, thanking God that he's breaking all the bonding to all the negative behavior and the beliefs and then we're bonding to the purity and peace of Jesus, and we're receiving our truest, deepest identity. And when I work this way, we're not ignoring the behavior, but we're moving towards a solution in a very positive way, and people are getting anchors of hope along the way. So that's my approach. And I think, what if we had a men's group? I call my men's group Pure Power, because how many men want to go into the church and say, hey, Pastor Dan, uh, where's that, uh, uh, where's that uh, uh, porn group? Where's that sex addiction group? Yeah, good point. Well, people go, by, you know, here's a sign on the door, hey, men's sex addiction group here, then everybody knows you go into the group. You yeah, know? right. And, you know, I, I, one lady walked in once in, into a group to send her husband, oh, I didn't know you were here. You know, that's not what you want. That kind of violates <laughs> confidentiality. What I want is a men's group called Pure Power, and it's a play on words. Men like power. I want them to be connected to the purest power of all, the power of Jesus' purity. And you can come in, and it, it could be porn, anger, food, work, whatever. So it's generic because you're always still going to say, Dan, if you're praying with me, you're going to say, Paul, what are your negative thoughts? Where's this list of Jesus suffering? Where did he go through negative experiences to identify? Let's put this together in a prayer and let me lead you through a prayer. And then we're going to have two men say a prayer of blessing over you. So you know what the response is to the body of Christ in our discipleship groups? I share I'm struggling with anger, food, porn, work. And the response is you lead me through prayer. I get more peace and more hope, not instant victory, but more peace and hope. And then the body of Christ blesses me for sharing. That's a different response than we tend to get. Yeah. What you got. What if that elder would have said, you know, I've struggled with the same thing. And I just want you to know there's no one quick solution, one formula. But can I share with you? Notice I'm asking permission. Can I share with you something that's helped me? And if you like it, I'd be willing to walk with you on this journey. And that might hey, be a Paul, three, six, 12 month. Hold month. that. Hold that thought, Paul. We're going to have to take a commercial break. But when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with our guest, Paul Conniff, and our topic, The Hidden Half of the Gospel Explained. You can learn more about Paul's book by going to his website at www.hiddenhalf.org. And you're listening to Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And for more information about Heart to Heart Radio Show, go to Heart to, that's T-W-O, heartradioshow.com, or you can go to our website, prodigaljourneys.com. We'll be right back. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the national security state. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through trinday.com or amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. All right, we're back. You're listening to Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann. And our guest this hour is Paul Conniff. And you can learn of his book by going to www.hiddenhalf.org or his discipleship ministry by going to straighttotheheart.com. That's straight, the number two, theheart.com. We're discussing the hidden half of the gospel with Paul tonight. And Paul, I, I just, I really like your approach. I, I like this men's group ap- approach of transparency. You, you know, people can come there. Hey, you, you know, I've dealt with that. I'm still dealing with it. Hey, you're in good company and uh, we'll work on this together. And uh, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing because it's giving people permission, like you said, to, to be honest. And, and another thing I'd like to say is when, when people are honest and, and people are transparent and they're open, we don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's what I think's happening to Christianity. People are like, I did the altar call and my life didn't change. Everyone said, oh, did you accept Jesus? And it's all done now. And either they've, they've, they've went off the road and they've went into, you, you know, uh, not, you know, nothing's happened after that. I'm still doing the same thing, and they feel like that flopped, or or, or yeah. the altar call. Are they get rebaptized. Yes, yes, and and they don't get like you said. They don't. We're not getting messy. We're not. We're not being transparent. We're not opening up, and I think that is real Christianity that could have a real elder. I, I was thinking if somebody came to me, I'd say, boy, that, whoo, 25, oh my God. I remember those days, I wouldn't want them again. You know, that was tough. Man, I'll tell you, I was well, possessed, you know? Good. Well, what Go if ahead. we heard testimonies in churches and not glorifying sin, but saying, hey, I've struggled with anger, I've struggled with being abused. You don't go into details. You got kids there, you know, you get a wider audience. So, you know, I, I struggle with addictions that men do. Everybody knows what I'd be talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go into the gory details and glorify sin, but say, you know, and I realized that my behavior was wrong. And behind it, I was believing I was rejected and not wanted. And so, and then I was introduced to how Jesus was rejected. He was not wanted. He was tempted like me. He had testosterone like me. He wanted companionship like I do. And he gained the victory so he could me, heal me, and set me free. And another kept walking for three months, six months, not once investing his life, and now he's training me to others. And the advantage of discipleship, prayer and discipleship ministry, and to prayer ministry. In other words, just pray with you. Because, in other words, if, if you train with me, then and I'm seeing me grow, and another guy comes in, and you're going to say, hey, Paul, would you be willing to share your story with Tim? And then, if I say, okay, then you're not going to pray with Tim. You're going to train me to pray with Tim, so you're multiplying your discipling. Yes. I see. And, 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 and the beauty of that is if a guy comes into our group and he gets prayer one or two weeks in a row, the third week we're going to turn around and start training him to pray with somebody else so he's not defined by his addiction. His addiction isn't his identity. His identity yeah. is the Son of God. And there's a lot of good in 12 steps. I'm not, I don't throw the baby out of the water. Right. But if I, if I define myself as an alcoholic, hi, I'm Paul, I'm an alcoholic, or a sex addict, talking about sex, and you say, I'm Dan, I'm a sex addict, and I say, hi, I'm a sex addict. We just define ourselves by our addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd rather say I'm a son of God learning how to gain victory in this area of my life. Yes. I'm not ignoring yeah. the behavior. I'm not ignoring the addiction. I'm just not defining myself by it. And then we can, be, and you know, what if you had a women's group and you're perfect people and, then, and you're growing and you go, let me train you to 
pray with others. So they're part of that group. They're not there as an identified patient. You're actually going to be praying with them a couple times and then turning around and training them to pray with others so they know they're an equal part of the group. Yeah, you're starting to break up a little bit there. You're starting to break up just a little bit there, Paul. Is there anything that you could do? It's breaking up quite a bit. Can you hear me? I'm not moving. Okay, all right. All right, keep going then. But I'm just saying, if if you a woman into your group or this group and you put them a couple times and you turn around and you say, I'm going to continue to start working with others, discipling others. Now there's a level of equality there and they're, while they're growing and gaining victory being used by God. So what's the message you're sending to them? Treat them. Still there? Dan, are you there? Yeah. Yep, I'm here. Okay, all right. Paul, I'm not hearing you. Are you, are you there? Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Sound like you faded out yeah. there a little bit. I'm not moving, but uh, okay. technology is wonderful when it works. Yes. Yes. When it, well, I, when it can test my religious experience. <laughs> I, I love that idea, though, that, that the idea that's going to stick with me tonight is that Jesus felt abandoned. I mean, you know, the question, I, I don't know, maybe that's the wrong thing to say, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's some serious suffering. And, and like Angela said one time about Job, she says, you know, we think it was just boom. You know, he was covered with boils. He lost his kids. We think this all happened in a couple of days, but this might have went on for a while. You know, he might have felt abandoned, you know, but the thought that well, you said boils about went on for a while. Yeah. Losing kids, things being, you know. All sorts of things happening to him. But I just thought the fact that you said, you know, Jesus had to endure that. He had to felt abandoned, abandoned by his disciples, you know, and all these things he faced just like we did. And it wasn't just an end all. You know, he had to suffer. We suffer along with him. And and what did he do in the garden? Three times he prayed. So it's not the trees and magic forms, but he keeps opening repeatedly and honestly. We're ta- he's being transparent with God. My flesh doesn't want to do this. I will be done. On the cross, he's being tempted to believe he's never going to see his father again. He's been totally abandoned forever. What does he do? He takes it to God in prayer. Yes. And, and you know, Paul talks about, I speak to you young men who've overcome your battle with the devil. You know what I mean? And so we, we are here to be transformed. And I, I think that's sad when the church feels like, I just, I, I don't know why all this terrible satanic stuff going on. I just can't wait till this world is over and I can be in, you know, in heaven or the paradise or whatever. They just want it over with. And I'm like, no, we're here to, to be transformed. We're here for a purpose, for a reason. And all these trials are here for us to grow it's not a bad thing where it's it's for our growth so i i want to give people hope it's like when you have these troubles it doesn't mean that you got the bad end of the stick and god didn't give you as many blessings as other people but it's for it we're here to overcome so you know i i just want to bring some comfort you know we're not freaks and you know children mm-hmm. of satan or something when we have these troubles you yeah, know what, no what you're I, giving I like people what you're saying what Go you're ahead, given Dan. people, what you're given, Paul, people is permission to, you, you know, just be honest. Like like Angela said, we, 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 we visit a lot of churches and people are scared to death. They know they're still sinning. They're missing the mark. And, you, you know, a, a guy read this scripture to me the, the other day. He says, if we know how to do right and we do wrong, we've grieved the Holy Spirit and there's no more hope for us. And all I could think of was who didn't do that? But we see that these churches are hoping and praying for this end to come so that they can, so either they'll be destroyed or, you know, they'll get some sort of relief that way. But what you're talking about is you can have some relief now through understanding. Yeah, you can have, what we're doing is we're offering hope for the journey, not a quick fix, but we're hope for the hope journey. For I love what, that. What, 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 you know, what you were talking about, Angela, we want to offer people hope. When I do a week of prayer and I like say for some teenagers, um, I can go in there. They've never met me before. You know, and I, and I go, look, I, I grew up in a home with challenges and problems. I turned to anger, bitterness, porn, alcohol, drugs. Um, you know, I don't have to spend 20 minutes on all of it, but I tell them enough to know I've been there. And then I tell them about a Jesus that was alone, abandoned, betrayed, abused, tempted in them as pain and cried out why. And they line up. They fill up the slots to come and meet me. And it's not because wow. they said he's the most dynamic speaker we've ever heard. They've got lots of speakers, you know, for youth and young adults. What they're saying is 
that connects me. One girl came in and said, you know, everything on your list, pretty much that's me. Wow. I'm cutting. I've got some, I don't know, uh, doing different stuff in a relationship with somebody and she's 15. You know, because I told them, here's where I was. Here's, here's enough about my story so they know I'm real. I'm not talking from a theological ivory tower. And then I move into Jesus' story, and I go, look, you guys are struggling with this just like I did. We're all the same. Here's what Jesus went through. They come in not because I'm the best speaker, but because they got hope that I'm, I'm talking about a Jesus that can make a real difference. And when we talk about Jesus suffering death and resurrection in a way that's real, they, the Holy Spirit reaches their heart, and the Holy Spirit's the one that gives them hope and says, this is real. We're offering you an opportunity to get some hope and healing. Yes. Yes. And you know, I mean, you I'll, know I'll what just I, share one. Go, go ahead, Paul. What, what I hear you saying, it, I, I just want to throw this out, and you can tell me I'm wrong. But what I'm hearing you say in your tonality is the mind of Christ. I didn't come to judge. I'm like you. You, you know, you're saying that to these people. I'm, I'm not your judge. I, I can relate to you. I've been where you're at, but let's work on this together. It, it's, you, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge. He says, he who hadn't sinned, throw her stone. We caught this woman doing this again. And I often thought, what if you brought the woman there 10 times? What would Jesus say? He who had the sin, throw the first stone. Am I wrong, Paul? No, that's it's exactly what it is. And I mean, I'll just tell you one story. I had a girl come in, never met her before. She came in and she said she'd been sexually abused. And she was like in eighth grade or something. And she was now living with her grandmother. Uh, so whoever her mom's boyfriend was out of the picture, I had no idea where they were. But I connected her story with Jesus' story being stripped naked, physically abused. And then we said, thank you that you're breaking the bonds to the abuse and bonding to, and I'm receiving my truest, deepest identity in your purity. And so we did that two days in a row. Wednesday, she comes in and she goes, you know what? For the first time in years, I'm feeling pure. And she had a bounce in her step and her joy. Are we saying she's all done? No, but you know what? Two things happen. She brought a friend. I didn't ask her to. Yep. Well, Paul, we're going to have to wrap it up tonight. I've really enjoyed, and I know Angela's enjoyed this enjoyed oh, this conversation you, with you, Paul. Thank you. And uh, for more information about Paul Conniff, you can go to his website at www.hiddenhalf.org and, and, uh, or straight to the heart to learn more about his ministry. All right. We'll be back next week with another edition of Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann. And to find out more about our show, go to uh, Exxon Radio Broadcasting Network and hook into the hearttartradioshow.com or go to our website, prodigaljourneys.com. Thanks for joining us. Good night. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.